Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, it's time for Charitable Georgia. Brought to you by Bees Charitable Pursuits and Resources. We put the fun in fundraising. For more information, go to beescharitablepursuits.com. That's B-E-E-S charitablepursuits.com. Now, here's your host, Brian Pruitt. Good, fabulous Friday. It's another fabulous Friday morning, and we've got three more fabulous guests. Just a little bit of housekeeping. We will not be here next week on Black Friday because the studio front door will be locked and I can't get in. So there will be no show. So everybody can go shopping and get up early. Hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving. So, like I said, we got three more fabulous guests this morning. If this is the first time listening to Charitable Georgia, this is all about positive things happening in your community. And we are going to get started this morning with Miss Kimberly Brinowitz from Pause for Life. I said that right, didn't I? You did it, Seed, yes. Awesome. I always I have to pat myself on the back when I say the right <laughs> word because sometimes I mess them up. So, well, uh, first of all, you have a, an accent. Where's your accent from? All right. I was born in Scotland in the United Kingdom. Awesome. Yes. Unfortunately, too many years in the United States have sort of like kind of put a tinge on it, though. <laughs> well, I still it's, it's it's good to me. I like that. I like it. So, um, you guys, like I said, you're from Pause for Life, which we'll get into for a second. But if you don't mind, share a little bit more about your background and how you got into that, and then we'll talk about what you guys do. Oh, absolutely. Yes, um, I've always had animals, uh, German shepherds, uh, horses throughout my entire life. And uh, when I graduated and I came over to the United States uh, for a job, um, I ended up uh, starting a uh, riding school, and I got a stables in Sarasota, Florida. And uh, started uh, teaching down there, training horses, training dogs. Um, my niece has cerebral palsy, so I would have uh, her friends and family come out and we would do horse riding trails with them. So I got more and more involved in dealing with uh, those with disabilities and uh, decided that this is something that I really would like to get into more and went to school, got all my designations. I had to do it like over a period of time because I had to, of course, keep working to be able to pay to do that. And then when uh, my husband and I relocated to Atlanta, Georgia, I decided to make this a full-time commitment and opened up a 501c3 nonprofit and have been training service animals since then. Awesome. Well, I have a sister in Sarasota, so it's really kind of muggy down there. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I'd like to go back, but my husband won't go back to Florida. <laughs> no, well, they do have soft beaches. I'll give them that. It's they a nice do. soft it's beach. Nice. It's changed a lot over the years, though. So. Yes. So uh, you guys just uh, train dogs, or you have other animals that you train? Okay. So uh, we actually, for our service animals, there are only two animals that are allowed under federal law. One is, of course, dogs, and the other one is miniature horses. Um, we also do therapy dogs, um, and they can be any kind of dog as a a family pet or a dog that's get trained to go into nursing homes and children's hospitals. And then the other one we work on is emotional support animals. Um, that can be any, basically most, you know, like 12 or 13 different types of animals, bunnies, guinea pigs, um, llamas, um, that uh, can be somebody's own emotional support but doesn't get the full uh, aspect of service dogs. I've seen a video of supposedly an alligator with somebody's support animal. I don't know that I would trust that. I don't know either. I've had peacocks and I've had snakes and yeah, so no, I don't think, I think it has to have feet. Yes. Well, I've got a good uh, friend. He's uh, Daniel Lathrop. He was on the show. He's actually a veteran and owns 1041 canine dog training and stuff. And he used to work for TCA down in Florida. Yes. And he was talking about the animals that would come through there. That were just, he had a, I guess, I think he told me there was a, a ferret. Yes. And there was emotional support. And I'm like, and those guys stink. I had a roommate that had one of those. They stink all the time. So uh, do you have a specific animal that's your favorite? 
Uh, German Shepherd has to be my dog of choice. Yeah, and why is that? Um, I don't know. I mean, I've had German Shepherds in my family since I was like two years old, and uh, they're just incredibly smart and intelligent dogs. Um, That's just for me, but I mean, all dogs are absolutely wonderful and beautiful. It doesn't matter what breed they are or what type they are. They all have their own individual personalities. So basically train any type of dog to be a service dog, depending on what disability needs are. So I didn't get to actually uh, talk to you and meet you in person at the uh, golf tournament that Buffy and Matt did. And that's where I met all three of you. And well, I've met Buffy before then, but, but my, my favorite dog that you have was Rufus. Oh, Rufus. Yes. (laughs) Rufus was giving, I got pictures, him giving hugs to a lot of people. That's just awesome. (laughs) Tell us about Rufus. Yeah. So Rufus is a great Pyrenees poodle mix and he's probably about 120 pounds right now. Um, he's about the size of a miniature horse (laughs) and I actually have his sister Jojo. So both of them are very similar. They're both about the same type of height, except she has more of the curvy female look, and he has more of the guy, dog, long leg, long body look. But uh, his, uh, yes, they're both in training to become service animals. And uh, Rufus is just, you know, he's, I've definitely got to put a blog out for him because he's just that typical large bobble-headed black and white mop that is absolutely just, he's love. Well, and like I said, I mean, he was literally giving hugs. Like he was up on his hind feet, paws on the shoulders. Yep. And that was just really cool. So his trick for the paws on the shoulders is, is basically he's doing pressure point therapy. So by standing up and putting his paws over your shoulders, he has to have his elbows at one side of the front of your uh, shoulders and his um, wrists at the other side so that he's doing pressure point therapy to help you. Oh, wow. So that's the reason why we teach the hug. One, to make you feel good. And the other one is because he's actually helping you, uh, your body and your mental state of mind as well. So this is some of the things that his task trained for. That's awesome. Well, I got to tell you, I had an ex-girlfriend who had a puppy Australian uh, shepherd. Oh, nice. And um, things were starting to go bad with us. And I was at I was at her house while she was at work, still taking care of the dogs when things starting to go bad. Yeah. And I was in the living room crying, sitting on the couch. And this puppy was a puppy, like yeah. a puppy puppy. Yeah. He came over and gave me a hug. Like oh, he yeah. was just automatically knew yeah. there was something that you wrong. Something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was awesome. So oh, they're so intuitive. I mean, they're incredible. I mean, where else, you know, can you get an animal that loves you unconditionally, will listen to everything that you have to say and not contradict you, and can detect all of your medical disabilities and try and help you tell you about it and then give you the love for it afterwards? I mean, it's just yep. amazing. We have a veteran that comes to our church who has a golden noodle. Oh, nice. That's a, and he detects when he's about ready to have a seizure. Yes. It's pretty awesome. So Yeah, yeah that's, uh, a, that's a good one to work with. We um, – we were talking a little earlier about uh, the miniature horses and stuff like that. So how is it different training those versus the dogs? Um, actually, fact, horses uh, can detect muscle movement in a human uh, a little bit faster than dogs can um, because dogs detect, first of all, by muscle movement and then by, you know, different things going on in scent, whereas horses are like a few seconds ahead of that. So they are actually more in tune with the human at that, at that early initial stage. Um, they're just the same thing. They're just as loving. Um, they, they can be housebroken. Um, they're like 28 inches or 29 inches at the height. And for somebody who has mobility, for example, the general life of a miniature horse is like 30 years or 35 years, whereas the life of a large Great Dane or something is probably 8 to 10 years. So for somebody who has uh, chronic mobility issues, uh, sometimes it's easier to get an animal that's going to live longer to be able to help them than to have to go through two or three dogs versus one one miniature horse. It's just that people... <laughs> they see a miniature horse on an airplane and they, you know, they just right. go nuts. So a miniature horse in a grocery store. Um, and it's just something that you don't see very often, I think, because uh, people with 
disabilities that have to take their animals, either their dog or their miniature horse with them. It just makes you stand out from the crowd. So I think most people choose the dog instead of the horse, and the horse probably would actually benefit more in a mobility situation. Well, it's awfully a definitely conversation starter, too. I'd walk up to somebody and say, can I pet your horse? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so do you guys solely work with veterans or do you work with other individuals? No, we work with, uh, we work with, uh, veterans, uh, first responders, active duty, um, and, um, all the others in between. So, uh, and our youngest is, uh, three months and our oldest has been 87 wow. as far as, uh, those that we have, uh, provided and are actually currently working with as far as service dogs or, or, you know, therapy dogs, but mostly service. So how do you determine which animal is best for an individual? Okay. So that's a really good question. The, the thing is, if, like, for example, if your goal is that you want to run a marathon, the last thing that we're going to do is match you up with one, a dog breed that you don't like, or two, a dog that can do like 25 feet and then collapse because you're so exhausted, like a mastiff or something. Mastiffs aren't meant to run. They're meant to pull and they're meant to be like dragging something and holding you up so we would place you more like with a dog that is like a husky or something that, that that's going to be able to keep you up uh, we did have one uh, gentleman um, who was uh, active duty uh, he got involved in an accident um, he was in hospital at Grady for numerous times and we provided him with a American uh, an internet an American dog um, native Indian dog and a big dog meant to drag things around and help the Indians when they were moving their wigwams and stuff like that, going back many, many years. And um, because they felt that he was going to end up in a wheelchair, not being able to use his legs uh, because of the travesty that had happened to him. And it ended up that bringing the dog to him and working with him through his therapy sessions at Grady and everything else, he just rallied from a person that was given a, a sentence that he may never walk or live again to being able to say, I have something to live for. And um, he then started working with his dog and in, in about six or seven months he actually ended up walking out of Grady with his service animal at that time saying goodbye to everybody and he went into rehab for a while rehab told him you're doing so well you don't need to do it so he actually went back into active duty and at that point in time we said you are doing so well that this dog is not the right match for you anymore so we are going to trade out this big dog for somebody else who needs a mobility dog and we're going to give you a dog that's going to be give you a challenge going to make you be better than what you are right now so we ended up getting him a um uh, malamute um who was definitely full of energy and we went and we met him and he was eight weeks old at the time and it was a love connection they just fell in love together and uh so actual fact that dog and he were back on active duty um and they went they've been on tour they they've, they've done their you know, the process, they were down on the, on the, on the wall. They, they'd done a whole bunch of things. And, um, he actually now, he and his dog can run up and down Stone Mountain. Wow. It's just incredible from, from the beginning to the end of this young man's life. And he was like 20 when it happened. So it's just, you know, an incredible story of putting the right match with the right person. And just because you have a dog to start off with doesn't mean that, you know, in five years, where do you see yourself being? So that's one of our challenges when we match you. It, what type of breed do you see yourself being attached to by the umbilical cord for the next 10 to 12 years of your life? Um, and where do you see yourself wanting to be? So right now you're in this position. Where do you want to be? Do you want to be uh, go out and go and swim? Do you want to go out and, you know, or do you want to stay home and just play video games? What is it that your your goal is? And we want to try and help you reach that goal using your dog to be able to help you get out the door, do the work that you need to get done to achieve what you want to do at the ultimate end of all of it. 
So yeah, it's a, a great match process. Are there certain breeds that you can't work with or can you work with all and train all the breeds? <laughs> yeah, you, you can work with most breeds, of course. Some are more stubborn than others. For us, we want to work with uh, dogs that have that stubbornness because we need them to do deliberate disobedience, which means if you tell your dog to go and stay in that corner and don't budge till I need you or you know, tell you to do something else, we want to make sure that that dog's going to stay there and is not going to move unless there's something going on with his handler, his human, in which case he would be deliberately disobedient and he would leave that order to let you know that, hey, I'm going to show you a task because I'm telling you something's going to happen or you're going to have a seizure or you're going to have a, you know, a diabetic low. So any life-saving task the dog has been trained to do, that's the reason why the dog will disobey. So it has to be really critical and the dog has to know that this is what I need to do. So most dogs um, you know, will go ahead and do that with a lot of training, but there are, and that's why it's so important when you're first working with, with the animals is to make sure that you pick the right pick. So here's an example. For example, if you're going to find a, a puppy or a dog for someone who's a paraplegic, and so you go and you look at a litter of puppies like golden doodles or Labradors or whatever, and you take each one of the puppies individually in the litter and you take a piece of paper and you scrub it up into a ball and you throw it across the floor. You don't want to take the puppy that runs in the opposite direction. You want to take the puppy that runs towards the crumpled piece of paper, picks it up and brings it back to you. Because that paraplegic or that quadriplegic is going to need a dog that will pick up the remote or pick up a card on the floor or get, you know, go and get your water out of the fridge. So the abilities at that age, and we start doing that about four weeks. You can't do much at four weeks, but we have a general idea. And it's about seven or eight weeks of that puppy's age that we think, okay, we've gone through the litter. This is the type of breed that this individual wants. So we have a choice. If there nobody in the litter that's going to be the right match, then we wait for the next litter or we find another one. If there is a good match in there, then we'll take that pup. We'll work with that pup for a while. If the pup is still being consistent, then we put the two together and we train them together from that point on for the rest of the working life of that dog. Are there age groups? I mean, you mentioned puppies. Do the dogs get into a certain age where you can't? train them you can always teach an old dog new tricks there you go there you, <laughs> you go. can always do it um for service animals you know so many people think that you know here you have this dog he's three years old he's got his public access test and he's tasking uh, under federal law and that's the stop here's the dog this is where i'm at but the problem is disabilities don't change disabilities keep moving and they they alter and medicine changes and lifestyles change and so we're with that dog when we place that puppy with you and we're available 24 7 for that individual that dog is going to change so they need to go back and they need to do refreshers they need to add more things if they change medication then we that changes the scent because whatever you put into your body you smell like um, and so the dog has to be tweaked a little bit to be able to keep going on and functioning to the best of their ability for their handler. Uh, well, you know, there, we were talking, I was just asking, reason I was asking about the breeds is because there are certain breeds out there, mainly a pit bull that always get the bad rap. Yeah. And it's because people oh. will train them to do what they, they not do. supposed it's, to do. It's, it's the human in that element right. as far as that's concerned. But I mean, we've got some great pit bulls and bully breeds in our program and they're absolute marshmallows. So, you know, it's a stigma and just like Rottweilers, German Shepherds, uh, Dobermans, uh, I mean, I've had all of those dogs at one point in my life. And, you know, it's all a matter of how you handle them, what you give them. You know, if, it's the same thing with children. If you beat your kid, you're going to have a kid that beats other kids. So, <laughs> right. you know, if you beat your dog, you're going to have a dog that's antagonistic. And just it's it's just a rough round circle. Right. So love always says a lot. So um, what does it look like? Is there different trainings? Well, first of all, before I ask that question, do you on the service animals, is there anything you have to do to, as Daniel says, he trains the humans. Do you guys have to also train 
the individuals to work with yes. the service dogs? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's one of these things is that when we match the pup and we place them with the individual, the young adult dog with the individual, the two of them will be in training with us forever. Okay, until the working life of the dog, you know, is no longer, and we either replace with another dog or, or they don't need another dog anymore. But yes, I mean, the dogs are the easy part. It's the human <laughs> that sometimes causes the problems to get them trained to be able to work with the dog. Because by the time our dogs are, are ready to go out and, you know, work in the big bad world with them, they have the capacity of problem solving of a five year old child. Um, and so it's the humans that have to be kept to be consistent. It's the humans that have to know what to look for in their dog. And that comes from, as far as we're concerned, that's one reason why we place our pups or our young adult dogs with an individual, because we want them to each learn their own body language. We want them to be able to say, like, if I place a dog with you, then tell me in two weeks time when you know that that dog needs to go to the bathroom. It's because you've watched that dog and you know the telltale signs and you can read the body language. If you can't tell me at that period of time, whether it's five minutes after they finish eating or it's uh, two hours after they finish eating, you and the dog are not living in a good environment together. You're not functioning together well. So it's a case of you have to keep, you know, pay attention to your dog and your dog is, will be contingent, you know, paying attention to you. The dog is the easy part. It's, you know, it's the, it's the human and them that have to interact right. together, which takes the time. Right. So yeah, he's yeah definitely correct. Is the training different for the animals on different types of service for the service animals versus like seeing eye dog or uh, knowing when there's a seizure about to happen or anything like that? Um, we actually in Paws for Life USA don't train for somebody who's totally blind. Um, I can, um, but um, it's something that I preferred not to do because it's such a, you know, a different dedicated science because the human and the dog is basically the human who is blind is the one that is directing the dog. Um, whereas in unseen disabilities, which, which is what I deal with an awful lot, um, is it's a case of a different type of training because even though I incorporate an awful lot of the guide dog stuff by having the dogs look up to make sure there's no overhanging branch or, you know, looking down on the floor to make sure there's nothing that, you know, a curb that they don't have to trip over. Um, we incorporate all that type of training into what we do for our regular service dogs. I mean, they do everything. I mean, they, you know, we teach them to do a whole bunch of things so that there's no surprises. Um, and it's always a case of the what if. What if I'm out here and my dog doesn't do this? Well, we want the dog and the human to know what to do in any given circumstance. So we just work them through every single proceed that we can think of to to get them to work as a good team, you know, to be able to get them to fly on an airplane and feel, you know, that they've been there, they can do that by themselves, um, to get them to go to a Braves game so that they can go to the game and know what to expect, that the dog doesn't freak out with the fireworks and all the noise, um, to go to a, you know, anywhere, go to a restaurant and not eat the food off the floor uh, so that the handler doesn't have to worry about the dog, you know, doing this kind of thing. Um, so it's, a, it's an ongoing process that they have to go through everything. And that's guide dog as well as, you know, other service dogs. It's funny you mentioned the food on the floor because when we were at the golf tournament, I brought my assistant Lauren with me and she was helping the check in. And one of your other folks was there with a puppy golden retriever. Oh, yeah. And she was laying next to Lauren and Lauren didn't realize it. And she laid her chicken biscuit right down by the dog and <laughs> oh, the no. dog never touched it. Yeah. That's, impressive. that's a, a very well, that's impressive. Good. And, and, and he's, a, and like I said, this was a puppy. <laughs> yes. So it, does, how does the training look like for the emotional support versus the, Okay. The other. Yeah, so emotional support, actually, basically, it still uh, requires a doctor to say, yes, you need an emotional support animal. 
Um, and that is basically to give somebody comfort and be able to sit in their lap or be next to them so that it can release those endorphins in their brain to make them feel good. The dog actually doesn't do any tasking and the dog doesn't have the same rights of a service animal to go anywhere. So with service dogs, they have the right to go everywhere the general public's allowed to go, except for like uh, some sterile environments, churches and uh, private property. Um, same thing, you know, with emotional support animals, the only difference that they now have, I mean, they used to be able to fly now that two couple of years ago was taken away from them. But now the only thing they can do is they can go and stay in a, an apartment complex or a, or a rent a house that has a no dog policy. And then they, they can be given the accommodation to go there. But that's where their rights end. Otherwise, service dogs, they should have the right to go everywhere, even to, you know, in, into an Airbnb or something else that says no dogs. Right. Um, they're still... A lot of people that want to try and, you know, say that and deny that to somebody. But, yeah, the law says they're allowed to have them there. So um, is there a certain when, when we're talking about the, the training aspect of it, does it, do you do the same kind of training for that emotional support that you would do for uh, uh, so the other kind as far as no, like a- so um, emotional support <clears throat> is just working with them. You know, in our program, what we like to try and do is give the dog all the basic and intermediate uh, obedience training. Plus, we like to help them with ever, whatever their disability is, whether it's anxiety or something else along those lines. We like to try and give the dog at least one thing to be able to do for, for them as an emotional support. Now, that's not required, but we like to say that this is what we want to do because we want the dog to be able to help you more than just be a, a dog. Uh, versus the service animal um, who is trained to um, uh, do multiple things, cross-trained to not only help you, but maybe to help your family as well. For example, we have a poodle that's out there who is looking after a a, a little boy. And um, so if you're a mother and you're changing your son and all of a sudden you've left the diaper rash cream on the table in the kitchen, you can't leave your child who's in the bathtub to go and get that. So we train the dog to go and get it. So it's actually helping the family as well as helping for the individual. So those dogs are highly trained and, and they do more than they actually need for the particular uh, disability that they're working with because we want them to have an all-rounded education. And so if we have a dog in the house, we actually have one dog that there's uh, two young girls, the husband and wife, and the, the dog is for the youngest daughter. But the dog actually serves everybody in the house. And um, like one of the ridiculous things is, is that they are constantly dropping clothes on the floor. And so they asked me one day, can you train him to pick all the clothes up off the floor? And I said, sure. I said, it will be a great task for him. So he now picks up all the clothes and he puts wow. them into a laundry diaper. And about, I think it was like four months later, the husband calls me and I said, hi, how are you doing? He said, can you teach the dog to pick up all their clothes and leave mine? And I said, <laughs> nope, everything goes in the basket. <laughs> That's awesome. So what's the kind of wildest animal you've ever worked with on the emotional support side? On the emotional support, I would have to say it was a rabbit. Wow. Yeah, a rabbit. That rabbit gave me the runaround. <laughs> or the hop around as far as he's concerned. Around, yeah, really cute. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a rabbit. Um, and I think one of my – I have a couple of favorite as far as service dogs are concerned um, – Great Danes, love Great Danes. They're great dogs. And, of course, Rufus. <laughs> right. Can't forget right. Rufus. He's just a joy and a love forever. Yep. Well, Great's and the Great Danes in their name. So yeah. we have another family at church who has a Great Dane, and we do a once-a-year, <clears throat> one-day retreat. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they they bring him to that. And this it was a couple of weeks ago. We were at Red Top. And oh, that's a nice place to go. Yes. Yeah, we we, we were in the little, uh, I don't know, over, not, not overhang, but it was a little building there. and. 
he's sitting there on the floor and of course all the kids are loving on him and stuff. And then you walked over to adults walk over and he would look up with his puppy eyes and he'd be like, of course he's bigger than everybody else, right. but you still, those puppy eyes are like, what, well, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm guessing goldfish cannot be trained to be. Uh, well, no, I, I, I don't know about fish. I did have a, a golf ball goldfish many moons ago that if you moved your finger around on the outside of his uh, tank, he would actually swim in circles and follow you. Oh, finger. wow. So I don't know if that's classified as. Well, it works for me. Fish have, I, mean, <laughs> I think every animal has abilities. You just have to know what right. you're talking and about. And they all have personalities, and too. And they all have personalities, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's one of those things. Um, I do know that uh, earlier you were uh, talking about, you know, this is charity and community and mm-hmm. everything else like that. So um, I was wondering if we could um, yeah, go talk ahead. a bit about what we're doing. So Pause for Life USA is actually having a silent auction tomorrow at its school location at 3100 Roswell Road in Marietta. And all the funds from this uh, holiday bacon basket sale are going to uh, proceeds will go towards training a service animal for a veteran or a first responder. Um, so if anybody is out there and wants to do something on Saturday afternoon from 12 to 3.30, please come round to us and we're on the corner of Old Canton and Roswell Road. And uh, we have some wonderful things. We have um, homemade pies. We have um, homemade scones. We have um, pretzels that are being done. Uh, an awful lot of the uh, items that we have for auction are being uh, donated by a Air Force veteran. And uh, we have some baskets that are just ready to go for Thanksgiving. They have wine in them. They have glasses. They, we have a British tea basket. We have you name it, we've got it. So there's a little bit of something for everybody. Um, so if you're looking for that quick and easy gift and you don't have time to go to the store and you don't want to worry about looking around through uh, Black Friday, then come to us and get a basket and you've saved all your problems. There you go. Now I'm hungry. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, you have any other, other events after that that you want to share? Uh, so, no, I mean, that will be probably our final event for the year until we do uh, start in, 20, gosh, 2024. It's already I know, it's crazy. the corner, isn't yes. it? Yeah, so, no, usually that's that's probably our last event for the year is the, the weekend before Thanksgiving every year we have this uh, silent auction. and um, But that's good, yes. Awesome. Well, yeah. I got two more questions, a two-part question, and okay. then we'll we'll uh, get you to share your information again as far as contact. But so I, I'd like for you, for those listening who might uh, be thinking about, this is a two part question. The first one is uh, who somebody might be thinking about starting their own business. Okay. The other one is for a person thinking about starting a 501 C three nonprofit. What advice would you give those individuals? Okay. So as far as uh, starting uh, your own organization for, my side of things, if we talking about wanting to become, say you want to become a service dog trainer or a dog trainer, um, we actually have a, um, one of our organization is called American Canine Connection, and it's a post-secondary uh, Department of Educational Certified uh, School, and people can come uh, and learn how to become master dog trainers or service dog trainers. So once they have gone through the one-year or the two-year program, they then have the ability and the certifications to be able to go out and do um, dog walking, uh, run a boarding kennel, um, uh, t- train dogs for other people and start up their own business and be able to start having a career and a life uh, as far as working with dogs are concerned. 
Um, so it just depends on how far you want to go up the ladder. If you want to go all the way, then service dogs is the way to go. If you just want to start group training and um, start something, you can start that in your own home uh, and then eventually migrate to you know having your own facility or renting it. Or you can go and work for an organization that already exists. And uh, there's jobs out there that I'm aware of um, to be able to go and join an organization. You're basically sort of like independent within this organization. And... Um, train dogs for them and get and get paid so it's it's a great resource and you can do that forever you, know? right. you can train animals forever there's no like limit you know and you, you can't get fired from your job right you know you're training dog or you're doing a dog walk um and as long as you're physically able you know you can you can do that um and as far as uh starting your own 501c3 um in this day and age yes if you want to be a charity um starting your own 501c3 it's a, there's a few hoops that you have to jump through uh legal parameters there's a outlay of money that you have to put out to be able to get your licenses and get the IRS to approve you um but for me you know I did that back in two, got approved in 2004 um it was it was the only way to go I had done some volunteering for some shelters and different things over a couple of years beforehand and um as a volunteer I didn't like what I saw. So I kept on putting my two cents in and nobody liked me for doing that. So I thought, well, you know, okay, so I'm going to do this myself. So I went out and I did the research and I opened up my own 501c3 and I said, okay, now that you won't let me do it for you, I'm going to do it for me and I'm going to do it for the animals. So that's how I did my 501c3. But um, it, it definitely, if you have a mission um, and you feel strongly enough about it, um, you need to go ahead and do it. Um, it's it's just a wonderful thing. And for me, um, I live, speak, and dream dogs, um, and I want to help people with disabilities. And so that's my whole thing. I, I gave up working for uh, with uh, doing accounting and was actually my, my trade of choice. And um, I always wanted to train dogs and help people with disabilities, and I'm living my dream. Awesome. Uh, how do you guys get the word out for your for your organization? Uh, word of mouth and client referrals. Um, okay. We have our um, website, uh, pauseforlifeusa.org. Uh, we have our LinkedIn, same thing. We, we tweet. Um, anything that we can do like that on our social media, uh, we're all out there. Okay. So, again, share the website, and then if they want to get a hold of you for anything else, are Absolutely. there other ways to do that? Okay. So it's uh, Kimberly Branowitz, and it's uh, pauseforlifeusa.org, our website, pauseforlifeusa.org. And uh, the same thing, the same name. Got to put the USA on it, though, because there is somebody else out there with Pause for Life. So make sure you do pauseforlifeusa.org, and that's us. And if you want to get, reach me directly, um, it's 770-402-0297. Um, I'll gladly answer any questions that you have. Or you can email me at admin at pauseforlifeusa.org. And the four is spelled out F-O-R. So it's pauseforlifeusa.org. Awesome. Well, Kimberly, thanks for coming on and sharing. Don't go anywhere. We're not done with you yet. So uh, my pleasure. <laughs> We're moving over now to Miss Buffy Payne from the Outer Circle Foundation. Buffy, you uh, weren't able to come with Matt a few months ago because you had an emergency to go to, but you've since unjoined the corporate world to take over more of the Outer Circle Foundation. So welcome this morning, Buffy. Thank you for having me. Um, you guys do a lot for the uh, community and stuff. As a matter of fact, the golf tournament you guys put on, you actually – gave that money to two other organizations, right? So um, if you don't mind, share a little bit about your background, and then we'll get into a little bit more about the Outer Circle Foundation. Sure. So my background, honestly, is a security professional in, in the security industry for 25 years. Recently left that with a passion to continue to help others and 
helping others has been, and I think in my blood and in, in my DNA all along, even within security, that's what I did, help others educate folks. Um, I'm a survivor of domestic violence. So for many years, I helped women of domestic violence, um, help them get to a safe place, help educate them, help them see that there is another way to live. Um, and over time, it kind of evolved into this mission with Matt and I, both having that in our blood of helping others. Um, and so veterans and first responders, because we both work so closely with those and Matt being a veteran, that became our passion. That became the group that we really um, tend to gravitate towards to help those. So you talked about the security background. What type of security? Oh, goodness. You name it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's everything, really. When But most of the time when people hear me talk about security, they think, oh, that's IT. Well, honestly, it's everything but IT, right? right? I know enough about IT to be scary, but really it's more of the intel, the actionable intelligence, the physical security, the situational awareness, how to keep yourself safe, um, you know, investigations, things of that nature. It's all the other stuff that helps keep a company or an individual safe. That's, that is our passion in security. So uh, just get some advice for somebody listening about what to do for security stuff you just mentioned, who might be a business owner or things of that nature, just a little bit of tidbits of what they need to kind of keep an eye out for. Oh yeah. So, you know, in this day and age of technology and social media and how easy it is for people to overshare, that's one of the first things I really talk when I talk to organizations is about your social media awareness and what's being put out there. Um, so often when I go in and talk with leaders of companies, they'll say, oh, I'm not on social media. I'm like, you may not be, but you have teenagers at home that are, or you have a spouse at home that is, and they're advertising, oh, my spouse is traveling here or there, or dad is gone, right? I said, you will be amazed at those around you that overshare, Right. You have family dinners. You talk about what's going on at work and then your teenagers find that interesting. And next thing you know, it's on social media. So there's the awareness even beyond just the person in the seat at the organization. It's those around them. And then it's the same within a company. Right. You've got to have that good balance of education and awareness and making sure your employees understand the balance of what's appropriate to share and what's not. It's funny because when social media first, I remember MySpace, that was my first I guess everybody's first was MySpace and people talking about, well, I'm having this for dinner. Who cares? I know. Or I'm the, I'm in the inner library intent. Who Mm -hmm. cares? Uh (laughs) And now we, now everybody shares everything. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like you said, oversharing. So, um, so yeah. So I guess with that oversharing aspect of it, um, because a lot of people do share their pictures, they're on vacation and stuff like that. Um, yeah, there are things that, I mean, other than not doing it, mm-hmm. are there any other things they can do to kind of take and protect them? Yeah, of course there are. There's so many things people can do, right? Um, and one of the stories that is always the fun one to tell, not fun for the victim, was I had family that was so excited to go on vacation taking this two-week trip. They talked about it and they advertised. They did their whole countdown on Facebook, going here, going here, going here. Well, they were gone for two weeks. When they got home, their house was empty. So wow. the the tagline now is share where you've been, not where you are, yes. right? Yeah, so it's great that you're going on vacation. It's great that you're going to be somewhere, but you wait till you get back from that somewhere before you start sharing those pictures and those stories. Right. Yeah. Um, 
All right, so let's talk a little bit now about the Outer Circle Foundation. Sure. So you guys, you had mentioned you work with veterans, but also the first responders, because mm-hmm. Matt was actually both. Yep. Um, so talk about what you guys do. I know he shared uh, stuff, but from your uh, now that you're kind of running things, I guess you would say, just share what you guys do and then uh, how people can help. Yep, so in Outer Circle, our mission is really helping focus on PTSD awareness and suicide prevention. We do also help our first responders and veterans with that transition when they're leaving the military or leaving that first responder job and they're looking for their next step. So we help with those education pieces, resume development, how to work the network, mock interviews, things of that nature, things that are much different in the job world versus the military or versus your first responder environment. Um, Matt being a both a first responder and military has suffered from PTSD for numerous years. And I've watched this and have helped manage this for a long time. And there's so many um, treatments out there that are medicine driven and that are not effective. Um, We, Matt and I went down the road of different medications for him and he was not a person when he was on those medicines, he would sit around for hours, you know, just in this fog and couldn't function. Um, and so we went to market and said, there's got to be a better way. And lo and behold, one of his um, teammates, a, a guy by the name of Dr. James Lynch, is out of Baltimore, and he helped develop the Stellant Ganglion Block. And so that was Matt went and had that treatment, and he's been an impressively different person just from that one treatment. And so that we've got a partnership with Dr. Lynch, and that is one of the things that we educate our veterans and first responders that come to us on is this is something you should consider. This is something to look at. It's, you know, it's not a medication. It's not, it's not these therapy sessions, but instead it is an instantaneous change of life. And uh, we've seen numerous veterans go and meet Dr. Lynch and get this treatment. And we're seeing a change in these behaviors, which is phenomenal. It's exciting. Right. If we could get out there and get everybody to sign up, we would. Um, As a matter of fact, Dr. Lynch just posted yesterday a program for veterans to come and get the shot for free. Wow. And so we reposted that to our LinkedIn page yesterday so that veterans can see that and and get enrolled in that program. Matt, when when he was here, he shared about the experience of being – seeing himself on the dock at a young boys and he said it never happened. And that was the calmest he's ever felt. So that's awesome. So let me ask you this Uh as a spouse, you said you've seen that go through what, first of all, it's gotta be scary of certain aspects of it, Mm -hmm. but can you share, I mean, first of all, I guess there's hope, you know, if you're somebody's a family member, a spouse going through and seeing their loved one do that, uh, share how, what they can do. And then, what, how did you handle the situation or how are you handling the situation? Yep. So with Matt, you know, as being his spouse and seeing the indicators with him with a short temper or letting something so simple frustrate him, um, him not sleeping, the nightmares, um, and they started getting worse, right? When During COVID, when life was really uncertain and things were going on, he just became uh, more intensive with everything. Um, and it became to a point where we knew that he had to do something else, right? And the medicines just weren't working. He would stand up and fall over because the medicines had him so out of his normal self. Um, and then when we went and met Dr. Lynch and talked to Dr. Lynch and agreed that we would going to do this treatment, and then that same day, 
that Matt had his first treatment with Dr. Lynch. He slept 14 hours that night. Wow. That man's never slept before. And, you know, I woke up multiple times to check him because he slept so well that first night and I couldn't believe it. Um, And to see that now is amazing. To see him not overreact to items now is amazing, right? And he, you know, even he sees it, right? He sees his reactions are not the same. Um, So that's been fabulous, Right. And he's just a different, he's just right. a different person. That's great. Um, and for him to share that story with other veterans so that they can go, okay, yeah, I see some of myself right. in that. Right. And from the spouse perspective, the treatment itself is simple, right? Um, it, it takes less than an hour. The side effects are none. The results are instant. Um, for me, it's been like a breath of fresh air, right? Because now, I know he's feeling better. I know that the person he is, and I'm not going to get these reactions right. to stuff that I would get before. And I'm sure it's come a long way because I've, when when you first heard about PTSD, people were like, first of all, what is that? And second of all, they probably didn't have, I know they didn't have all the stuff that's out there now. So Correct. it's a, it's amazing the far that's come along. So one thing you touched on that I think is important to, to, uh, share too is uh, I talk about, you know, I could be passionate in helping veterans, which I am, but I've never been a veteran. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I talk about this too, with a friend of mine, Kevin Harris with all in all out ministries, he went down the road of addiction. So now he's helping me with addiction. Right. I think it's so important that while somebody like myself, who's either never been addiction or uh, a veteran may have a passion for helping them, it it's a lot more stronger with somebody who's been on that road and now helping those others. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, it was interesting with Matt. He He's always wanted to help others. But it took him a long time to realize he had PTSD. He would push it off. That's in his responses when he would get upset was, that's just who I am. And I'm like, it's not. It's not because I've seen you different. I've seen you at moments where everything's fine. And I've seen you at moments where I think the world's going to implode. And to finally get him to recognize he had PTSD and get him to recognize and realize he needed treatment, that was a huge step. And now that he can take that story and share it with others, right. they listen. Right. And it is by far more impactful. And the other thing that you – that's another thing to point out that you just mentioned is that your situation or things that victimize or whatever doesn't define you. Right. It's how you, you handle it, the way you can move on and teach others and help others. Uh, but it is not a defining moment That's for right. you. So, That's right. Um, all right. So you also have uh, Inner Circle Foundation as well, correct? Inner Circle Solutions, yes. Inner Circle Solutions. Okay. Right. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Uh, Inner Circle Solutions is a solutions company. We go out and work with organizations or individuals, understand what their risks are, and help provide solutions, whether it's solutions of technology or training or whatever it is they may need. We help bring those solutions to them. And one of the things with Inner Circle, any any work that we do, we give a percentage of every contract to Outer Circle. So that's our way that we're helping support our nonprofit. Are there um, certain industries with your Inner Circle solutions as you work with and a size? It, in Really any industry that we can work within, right? So with my background and our team's background, we cover all industries, everything from restaurant to retail to to finance, to manufacturing, right? We have a, that pretty far um, knowledge and scope that we can help support any organization. 
and we do everything big to small, right? So we've been working with small churches, helping them build security programs within their churches, which is amazing that our industry has shifted so much that we have to go into churches and help them right. build security programs. But we are doing that. Um, so there's there's no company too large or too small that we won't take. When you go to out. churches, do you guys do anything with uh, like active shooters? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. We we are both certified to train an, an active assailant program and help educate. Um, you know, whether it's a church or a school or any organization. Um, about active assailant, what to do, how, okay. how to behave, how, what the, what to expect right. in a situation, and it's it's also sad that we have to to do yes. that. But you know the the one thing that Matt and I really talk about whenever we talk with individuals, whether we're in a company talking to them or at a school or a church talking to people, when we educate and teach you about security, it doesn't only apply here where you are, but you can take that same training, take it home. You can take it to the grocery store. You can take it to a movie theater. It applies wherever you are. Security awareness and the training we provide applies at work and in life. Wow. That's awesome. Um, so share about the Outer Circle Foundation, how individuals or businesses can can get involved and help you. Yep. So, <clears throat> excuse me, Outer Circle Foundation, we have our website, OuterCircleFoundation.org. Um, certainly you can reach out through us there um, and you know, there's a means to make financial sponsorships or to sign up for volunteer events between now and the end of this year, which is not that far away. Right. right? We are collecting um, gifts and we're going to, we're working with um, two senior senior centers that have quite a large population of veterans or first responders that are there that we're going to provide um, Christmas gifts for them and do some volunteer work in their organizations in December. Um, just helping make sure those in the senior center have a good holiday. Um, and then after the first of the year, obviously we'll be running towards our next golf tournament, which will be in October, but from January to October, it goes by really quick when you start planning a golf event. Well, there's something in between that too, which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. So. Yeah. We'll talk about that one too. And you know, you did, you did mention that, um, our last golf tournament, uh, October, um, that the money that we raised there, we, um, Gift, plan to gift part of that to two different organizations. And one of those organizations is Kimberly sitting here with us today at uh, Pulse for Life uh, US. And so what she doesn't know is we've got the final check this morning for, from the, one of the uh, sponsors. And so we have for Pulse for Life a check for $10,000 that awesome. we'll be giving them. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if somebody wants to volunteer or, again, business, uh, other than the, the um, money aspect of it, are there other ways they can get involved? Absolutely. There's tons of ways to get in, involved. Um, and I shared before we went live a little bit that we're working on an, um, an agreement right now to partner with another nonprofit that will provide technology to veterans and then we are going to take the veteran from the point that they re- receive that technology and provide education, training, awareness on how to develop your resume, what LinkedIn should look like. And yes, you do have to be on LinkedIn if you plan on moving on into another job or role outside of what you've been doing. So when as we're moving in through this agreement, we need tons of resources to help, whether it's a place to train folks or just people to come in and help us train those individuals read resumes, you know, proofreading, all of those education pieces. So our website should flurry with tons of volunteer opportunities where people can come out and help 
provide space, provide potato chips and a soda, right? All of those things were our goal is to train and help place a thousand veterans between now and 2025. Awesome. I want to go back to your thing you're doing for the seniors, the Christmas. Mm-hmm. Are there certain gifts actual that you're looking for? So right now the centers have said most of the things that seniors would enjoy would be a book to read socks, nice warm socks that they can wear uh, because the centers sometimes are kind of cool um, and then just small individual items that they can then have for themselves. And they're like, whether it's, you know, a, a small snack, a box of chocolate, um, you know, little handheld games, things that they can enjoy for themselves. They said, please don't do anything large because there's not a lot of place to store stuff. Right. Um, she told me a story of somebody bringing a recliner one year and they're <laughs> wow. like, I don't know what to do with this. Um, but yeah, so small gifts that the individual can enjoy. And what's the date that they can uh, donate up to? Um, So all donations need to be in by December the 7th. Okay. And, and they'll be delivered the next week. And where can they bring those? Uh, They can bring them to outer circle foundation at three, four, two Woodland path in Dallas, Georgia. Okay. Awesome. Um, well, I normally ask another question that you normally want to talk to you, but I got so involved talking about the animals because I love animals that I forgot to ask a couple questions. That's okay. So we're going to come back though and do them all three at the end. Okay. So, but I do want to go back to Kimberly for one second. Yes. I forgot to ask you if individuals and businesses want to help Pause for Life, other than the financial aspect, how can they do that? Oh, yes. Great question. So we're always looking for puppy raisers. So if somebody wants to take a eight or ten week old puppy into their home and help uh, socialize them for whilst we're waiting for a potential match to come along for them, um, we provide all the food, or of course all the veterinary things for the puppy. You just have to provide the love and the attention and come to us for training, so the pup is learning basic obedience whilst uh, you're doing your puppy raising. Um, so we're always open to that, and um, anyone who wants to volunteer. Uh, more than welcome to have you come to any of our events. Um, you can also make donations to us for our next year's um, Veterans uh, Holiday Basket. We're always looking for gifts for that. Um, otherwise than that, we're open to uh, – we are going to be doing a shoe drive again next year. And uh, so we're always looking for people that have gently used or new shoes that they no longer want when they come to clear out their closet. Just let us know and we will put out a, uh, a basket for those donations to be made. And we'll also let you know a time when you can deliver them to us. And where can they drop those off at? Uh, they can uh, reach out to us by, of course, telling us by phone, but they will be dropped off at the 3100 Roswell Road, Marietta, Georgia. Okay. Yeah. All right. But Buffy, real quick, yes, um, we have something going on in March. We do. Uh, it's the And we moved it because uh, I was dumb and picked the week before Thanksgiving and didn't realize <laughs> it. So. March 21st, 2024, put it on your calendars. It's going to be the first annual America's Hometown Heroes Expo. You want to share any information about that? Oh, I think this is going to be fabulous. And the timing of this is just perfect, right? So Hometown Heroes Expo is going to be the opportunity for organizations to be present and share jobs that they're trying to fill. It's also a great time for our veterans and first responders or anybody in the community really to come out and say, hey, I need a job. Or it's also, think about those veteran-owned businesses that want to come out and showcase who they are, what they're about, our nonprofit organizations. It's a, just a wonderful time for everybody to come together, network, shake hands, hopefully find some jobs. Yep. We're going to have a silent auction there as well. We'll have some food. Um, we're going to have a uh, – 
my buddy Daniel for 1041 K9 is going to do a K9 uh, demonstration with his dog. So it'll be a lot of fun. So um, you can go to bescharitablepursuits.com. That's B-E-E-S, charitablepursuits.com, and get more information out as well. Or go to my Facebook page. And, Buffy, share your website and stuff one more time as well. Sure. Outer Circle is www.outercirclefoundation.org. Awesome. Buffy, thanks for sharing again. We're not done. We'll come back to you. But we do have another gentleman in the house. Thank goodness I'm not the only guy because lately I've been the only guy in the studio. So uh, Todd Masters from Focal Point Coaching and Training Excellence, thanks for being here this morning. My pleasure. So uh, first of all, we just had Veterans Day this past Saturday, and thank you for your service. You're a veteran, so happy belated Veterans Day. Thank you. Uh, Air Force, correct? Air Force, yep. Um, can you share a little? We'll get into what you're doing now in just a little bit, but share your background, share about your service and what you did, and sure. then we'll go into that. Yeah, I don't have the, the great military background story like Matt has, but uh, I was on scholarship out of high school for Air Force ROTC. So Uncle Sam paid for my degree in electrical engineering. And, you know, I grew up in the 80s, Top Gun, you know, all the inspirational movies, you know, the shock and awe and, and things that happened, you know, during the early 90s. So, you know, every kid my age wanted to go into either the Navy or the Air Force. Um, and I went with the one that gave me the biggest scholarship and, and went that way. Uh, so loved it. Had a great time. You know, didn't have a long career right after I got out of the ROTC program, you know, we had the big reduction in force, right? So a lot of, a lot of the, half the military was gone at that age, uh, you know, when Clinton took, uh, took administration after the war, after the Bush buildup years, and then Clinton came on board and we, we did, we had too big of a military, so they cut it and, you know, last one's in, first one's out. So that was it, but I loved it, uh, cherished that time, but it was, uh, you know, a bit of a heartbreak, you know, for, uh, you know, seeing your dream kind of uh, get get taken away on that part of it, but you know, there's always plans for for other things. Um, from there, I went into uh, I had some small businesses that I did, but I felt obligated to use my uh, engineering degree and uh, and go on that route. Um, but I did have a, a home painting business, a home uh, refinishing remodeling business. And then I went in and became a, an engineer for about a year and a half, and then figured out that uh, sales and marketing actually pays a little better than engineering. <laughs> <laughs> so I went into to technical sales and, and spent uh, a lot of time last uh, twenty plus years in, in corporate uh, sales and marketing uh, for very large companies to uh, you know hundred thousand employees down to very small companies of ten employees. Um, and throughout that you know widespread of executive uh, sales and marketing, you know the thing that always. Uh, drove my passion and, and my excitement was when I was working with individuals and in training and coaching, mentoring and bringing people up, and especially, uh, you know, new sales folks that come on, on the, on the, you know, in the circuit and training them up from not knowing how to do anything to, you know, being able to make a good living for themselves and their families, you know, through the sales training and other parts of it. Um, and just seeing the, the change you can make in lives, but you know, in corporate America, it's really hard to make a big difference in your community. And my family background is all entrepreneurial. You know, my great grandfather, you know, had a, a a Woolworths business. My grandfather started an electrical wholesale business. Most of my uncles and aunts all had, you know, their own businesses, mostly in the home services trade area, electrical wholesale, plumbers, electricians, mechanics. Um, so I've always seen that part of it, you know, and 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 seeing what my grandfather did, and he built up a good business that's still run by um, a family. Um, he had a tremendous impact on the community being able to be flexible to help people, to give people jobs that really needed jobs, you know, making a big dent and impact in the community. Um, also, my other grandfather on the other side was very active, you know, in Lions Club and some of the, the local 
local businesses and, and making things, you know, really help out, you know, in, in this day and age. And I think where our, our uh, country's going, you know, small businesses is really going to become more important, especially as a, the new generation uh, gets out and starts working, you know, nine to five. And the first week, as we've seen all the TikToks come they're they're not so excited about the right. whole nine to five. Thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I think there's going to be a, a big push, you know, especially since they see a lot of peers, I, I do air quotes, you know, getting rich on social media and these quick things, right? They think, uh, oh, I can just start my own thing and all of a sudden, you know, become self-sustained right. and, and that's not going to be real. But I think they're going to take a, you know, a swing at having a small business and doing that part of it. So I think we're going to see a big shift, you know, um, in the work area, especially if, if the corporations still are pushing the, you know, back to the office type schemes, I shouldn't say schemes, but that is a part of it versus the work at home or flexibility. If they don't find that good balance. Then that, uh, there's going to be a, a lot of workers that are just going to start their own thing on that piece of it. So, uh, what did you do in the air force? What was your particular job? Communications. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you, you talked about being an entrepreneur and everything. So yeah, you are a coach, right? Coach mm-hmm. with businesses and stuff like that. Share about what you, what you do now. Yeah. So, um, got out of corporate America to come back and, and make a difference and help people. Um, with the, you know, good background in sales and marketing, it's, it's great to be able to work with companies. Um, and charities all suffer, you know, small businesses and charities all suffer the same problem. We all have, you know, the one big issue, which is obscurity, right? People don't know who we are. We don't know. They don't know what we do. They don't know how to find us. It's always that constant battle and charities are small businesses, right? Um, you know, so getting out and, and, you know, coming from, you know, head of sales and head of marketing type positions and, um, you know, with large marketing budgets, it's really easy to end obscurity when you have $20 million to work with, right? But go to a charity in a small business, you know, funds are, funds are a lot tighter, mm-hmm. right? It's a lot harder to, to do that part of it. So everybody is insanely busy and scrambling, um, social media updates, you know, websites, got to do this, got to do that business cards going out. You know, it's, you know, today's small business owner and, and charities are just so overwhelmed and busy trying to do all of these things. Um, and it's becoming more and more competitive, you know, and if people get more and more into the small businesses, it's going to become even, even more crazy. So I got out really of, of corporate world to, you know, one, make a difference in the lives of small business owners. And, and that's turned into helping out a lot of charities. Uh, but from the get go, you know, my business model has always had a, a 10% um, a buffer in there, if you will, of giving back to charity. So it was always going to be 10% of my time um, or my revenue um, on that piece of it to give back and, and make sure that I've got room to give back to the community and, and do things for, for those that I can help. Well, one thing you've talked about before that you kind of help and give back to is uh, a CRM program for nonprofits. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. So as uh, so, I'm a certified business coach and executive coach, and there's a lot of coaches out there. I, I, it's a lot bigger industry than I thought it was, even though I did the, you know the market research. But you know, there's a couple kind of coaches. Those that um, you know will come to a business and kind of have some you know pre-canned material, if you will, um, and focal point. You know, the, the franchise that I have was founded by Brian Tracy, a, a, a nice, uh, great business mind. And we come out and, and coach more towards results and, and outcomes. And when I go in and work with a, a small business or a charity and, you know, we work through what, it, you know, what's the biggest challenge that you're facing right now? You know, obscurity is certainly one of them, 
the next thing, one or two things usually come out of their mouths. I need more customers or I need to make more money. Um, and so we talk about that. And, you know, a big part of small businesses is to generate leads, right? To go out and, and get your message out and bring people in to have engagement with you so you can have a conversation, you know, and talk about what you do. Um, so as, as a coach, you know, it's one thing to say you need to go out and find a way to get the word out or you need to work on your digital presence or your digital footprint and, and go, go find somebody that can do that for you. Um, whereas for me, I like to bring the people that I work with um, a tool. You know, I want to actually let's let's get some results and, and do that. So I found a platform um, that I could white label as an agency um, and build um, a lot of custom automations and all the actions and all the things that are kind of a, an all in one toolbox for a small business priced for small businesses with all the features and functionality that small businesses need to automate a lot of their systems to bring all the conversations into one place, you know, to help you know save the time and doing some different parts of it. You know, have the website, have landing pages, SMS, email, all those features all in one platform. And uh, more importantly, it's building all the automations that kind of help streamline all that piece together. So so I've pieced that together and um, and also offer that to charities um, as well at, a, at an extremely discounted rate <laughs> um, in some instances. But, you know, it's always a challenge when you introduce technology. It's like uh, sometimes uh, – you know, giving a, a brand new 16 year old driver, a semi truck as a first car, right? <laughs> it's a, a, wow. I know this thing is huge and it has all these capabilities, but I have no idea how to drive a big truck. Right. So then comes in the specialized services to do, you know, website development, uh, landing page development, marketers, you know, you know, digital advertising, you know, all the things that we still have to do, you know, it takes a while, you know, then to learn those skills or to find people that can come in and do that piece of it. Um, which again, I've, I've got a certain amount of time that I can help, but it's not a full-time job that I can, that I can do that. So I have uh, partnered with several good, um, digital marketing companies that, um, are given veteran rates for their services, um, with a discount 20%. Um, and they're going to be able to, to donate some hours to help out, uh, with building up some of the charitable websites that, that I'm helping out with. So that's good. So they need to be part of our expo. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We can, we can bring them out. So that'd be great. Um, so those of those that might be listening who aren't familiar with what a CRM is, share what that is. Sure. So, um, in the digital media world, a CRM is a, a, a customer resource management tool, right? So in, in big corporations, you know, you'll have, you know, HubSpot or Salesforce, right? Salesforce is typically the biggest one, Oracle, SAP, you know, big, big, huge systems, um, that cost tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to, to run and, and manage. Um, and even at the small business level, there's, there's hundreds of CRMs that are out there uh, that typically cost, um, depending on the features, five, six hundred thousand dollars a month. Um, and all the software platforms as small businesses start, you know, you start out with Calendly or a calendar function. You have to have a video thing, so you'll do Zoom or, or or Google Meet or something like that. But then you start needing to have a a big email management to do, you know, large uh, messaging, you know, campaigns. You'll need to hire a website developer and host a website on another platform. And over the first course of the year, of, you know, the first year of somebody being in business, you've got 20, 30, 40 different subscriptions or platforms or fees and costs that typically cost, you know, around a thousand to $2,000 a month. So I've tried to bring this platform that does, you know, all of the customer management. So you bring in all of your customer information into one place and you can call them from the platform, email them from the platform, text them from the platform, 
to have conversations. You can also connect your social media accounts. So your messages from Facebook and, and TikTok <laughs> will come in. So you don't have to log into those other platforms. And you can also post out to LinkedIn, post out to TikTok, post out to uh, Facebook from inside the platform. So you can create your content and just launch it from one place. Um, when uh, you can have your, mostly it's the web page, right? So you have the web page engagement where you have uh, tracking whoever comes and visits to your web page um, with your calls to action, which is very important. You know, and and really, you know, with a web page, it's very important to, you know, very quickly say, you know, who you are, you know, what you do and and what does your visitor get out of engaging with you. And then you ask them to do something. Right. <laughs> Engage on your website, whether it's, um, hey, you know, join, sign up for our newsletter. Um, here's a promotion we have going on. Or can, would you like to volunteer for this upcoming event? Right. And you want to capture that information so that you can then send them an email maybe a text reminder and all those things. But if you're talking about trying to do that for 2000 people doing that manually, it, it's just not, it's, it's not sustainable, right? right? You've got to be able to automate and bring automation into your life to do that, um, to make sure that no leads or no potential donors, you know, fall through the cracks and, and maximize that effort. So uh, I'm not going to ask this question because I want them to contact you to find out more about that CRM platform. <laughs> sure. Share how people can get a hold of you and talk to you about that. Yeah. Well, if you want to launch your own CRM, it's just launch your CRM.com. Okay. Yep. All right. So when you work in, uh, you talk about your coaching and stuff, are there, you work with all different businesses? I do. Small businesses? Yeah. I haven't uh, niched down into a specific industry, but I do like to work with small businesses that typically, well, one to a hundred employees is kind of ideal, right? And within a business life cycle, you know, you'll have a startup business that uh, has a great idea and, and wants to launch, have all the excitement. They may have some funding, but they hit that part where it's like, oh, wow, this is a lot more work than I I thought, or it's, it's not going as, as well as I thought. Or in the rare instance, man, this thing has taken off like a rocket. I need help to scale really quickly. You know, that's probably, you know, 5% of, of small businesses that start just out of the gate have some awesome product and they're just full of energy and it just takes off and launches. The other 95% of people, it's it's a churn. I mean, it's a lot of work that people don't always realize. And then they start to hit this down cycle where they almost want to give up and quit. Um, certainly I can come in and help there, but it's a high-stress situation. Um, but I, I come in and I usually do a lot of uh, free consultations at that point to let them know. Um, hey, from a, a second set of eyes, um, you're going to be fine, right? Here, just we need to do these these things, get through this hump, right? And let's start working together. Or, um, yeah, you know, you're right. This is going to be really hard to to get out. You know, you might have you maybe considered going this angle and maybe you know, you know, starting again, doing a restart. Um, but at that point, typically, when you hit this uh, what I call a growth cycle of once you're stabilized, you have a good product, you have pretty good systems and, and tools in place. Um, and you've gotten over that initial shock and awe of, of starting a business. Um, that growth phase is really where my customers get the most value, especially when we're talking about sales and marketing. And let's, okay, so now let's ramp up, let's optimize, and let's really crank out your revenue. And one of the first uh, consultations I'll do with a small business is um, let's just look at, at what you're doing right now and, and how you're doing things, you know, how well you're advertising, how well you're marketing, how well are you selling um, let's gauge your effectiveness and what's coming in that you're doing. And almost actually 100% of the meetings that I have are these consultations, um, just by making small micro adjustments to what they're doing in their current business model, um, making small micro adjustments can double their revenues by changing you know, what they spend their time on 
uh, let's look at your lead management. Let's look at your conversion rates. Let's look at, uh, you know, some of the, you know, I, I call them six levers or six main metrics that we look at and just making small little tweaks can make such a huge impact over 12 months. I'm like, okay, so let's just do some small adjustments here. And we're just going to turn these knobs just a little bit and it should, it's going to double your revenues. It's going to make it easier to, to work with me, you know, and pay, pay a coach. Cause you never considered that before. Um, and then we're going to work on a, a one year, two year, three year, five year, 10 year plan. Um, so a lot of, um, my customers like that, especially when I come in and with the sales and marketing experience and, and say, okay, well, yeah, there's no reason why there's no wonder why this ad's not working because you're, you're set up to go to the wrong audience. Or, um, let me talk to your, your sales reps and let's go through the scripts and see how they're selling. It's like, okay, if you change this one thing, you're going to double your closing rates. Um, and that's happened uh, with a few of my clients where I get a text the next day after we go through the sales training. Um, and said, you know, Hey, you know, I did exactly what you said and I doubled my sales today. It's just amazing. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of little tweaks and that just comes from all the different experience that I have. Uh, but I also work with corporations and I've done a couple, um, you know, I can, I do sales training and, and corporate communications training as well. Um, you know, we, I'm a, a certified disc. If you've heard of the disc yep. analysis for yep. the four personality types, which, which I just love uh, for me. Um, team dynamics and company culture are so important to the success of a company. And a lot of culture dies because we fail to communicate how the other person desires to be communicated with, right? We, we more of communicate our style and expect them, the other person to, um, to hear what I'm saying, how I'm saying it and respond the way that I want them to respond. But really we need to communicate in a way that uh, they need to be communicated to. So we have to understand the difference of, of personalities and dynamics of, of what types we are. So I, I go in and, and do some training. I did one um, last week and, and you can get in there and know that there's, there's a little fog in the air. There's some tension going on between executives and, and employees, which there always is because executives typically are these high D high I driven director style personalities, which they have to be companies need that. And then within the employee base, you're going to have all types, right? Um, but typically the, the opposites of the Ds are going to be ones that are more detail, more analytical, more introverted. And there's always that big gap between, you know, they didn't uh, you know, take my advice and now the company is going to fail because X, Y, and Z. Well, how do we, how did we communicate that advice? Was it through a thousand spreadsheets and uh, you know, things they had to read through? Or did you summarize it in two bullets of if you do X, Y happens? Because that's what a D needs to see at that level. Like, oh, okay, yeah, I might have been a little too, too detailed there. Yeah, yeah, you were. So let's, let's work on that, right? right? So, so when, you, you, when you're working with small businesses, I'm guessing it's a, you're working with the owner. But if they have, you say, up to the 100 employees, do you work with the owner and somebody else within the, the industry or, mm-hmm. or the business? Or who, who's typically, other than the owner, somebody you might work with? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So um, you know, all, my, all my coaching uh, offers are, are going to be customized based on, on what their needs are. I love to work with the business owners. Certainly, and there's going to be more one-on-one coaching. We're going to talk about leadership. We're going to talk about communication. Um, certainly, all the business skills and things that they need to be trained on, so they can, you know, then go train their employees. The important thing about coaching and the difference between coaching and consulting is that a coach will will train the business muscles of a business and a business owner to teach them to become stronger, to go out and then do the things that they need to do themselves where a consultant's going to be hired to come in and then go do that work, you know, off in the background and come back and, and then, and then it, the company becomes dependent maybe on the consultants because they don't know what they do or how they did it. I'm going to do the opposite and I'm going to teach you how to do it. 
um, work with you on that part. And I'll uh, help train your employees. I'll help train your senior executive staff, right, in communication. But I want you there with me to watch me how I do it. I want you part of the results. I want you to part of these things. Uh, not that they have to become a sales trainer themselves or a, a communications trainer, but I want them to know what's what's going on on, on that piece of it. Um, because really to get everybody working, everybody needs to look at, uh, at their skill sets. And, you know, it's really, you know, everybody here is, is amazingly successful and, and talented at, at what you do. I feel a little intimidated being between <laughs> you two amazing, <laughs> amazing ladies. Um, but you know, it's, it's, um, if you're a hard worker and you're putting a lot of yourself into your job, which, which most people do, if you're, if you're just basically not a slacker, um, but you're not as successful as the top person on your team, right? It, it gets frustrating and you keep hammering at it, hammering at it, hammering at it, and just can't seem, you know, to be one of the top salespeople or, or win that award. You know, oftentimes, you know, the difference between the champions and the people that come in second, third, or, or fourth or fifth place is, is such a, a small adjustment. It's, it's just a, an adjustment in one skill, one area. And it's important, you know, to come find that awareness of what is that What's that critical constraint? What is that thing, that one thing that's holding you back? You know, if you think of a, a horse race, the difference between the in the Kentucky Derby of the horse that comes in first place versus the horse that comes in second place, you know, how, what's that difference? Or NASCAR, inches, inches between, you know, champion and second. So, um, you know, so my training really focuses on let's identify, you know, what the weakest link is in whatever X thing that you're trying to accomplish. And let's just focus on that one skill and let's just get – one percent better, right? Every month, one percent every month, right? And by the end of the year, it's ten percent better, and you can take your average performing sales team employees' productivity, whatever, and in the course of just a few weeks or months, double productivity, double results, you know, and, and really see that, and and the light goes off in in people's you know eyes, you know, in their minds. It's like, wow, I I can do this. This isn't um, impossible. I I can provide more for my family. I can do better. And um, all along, because we get paralyzed through the analysis of all the overwhelming things that we have to do, and we just can just then do nothing. And that's that's what coaching comes in is help. Let's let's create create some awareness first, right, of where we're at. Let's just find an action of make small adjustments, and then I'm going to hold you accountable to that, and we're going to see the results come. Right. So you are out of uh, Buford Decula, you said. Do you work all over Metro Atlanta? All Metro, um, Athens, Gainesville. So we travel. I can do a lot virtually, but I do like to do, you know, faces, face okay. to face as much as I can on that piece of it. Um, you know, my website's uh, Todd Masters, focalpointcoaching.com. You can find me there. There's links to the CRM on that piece as well. Um, but yeah, I like to show up with, uh, with tools, experience and, and that part of it. But, you know, the important part of, of my coaching is that I provide value first, right? I'm going to work with you to show you what I can do, how I can help you. Um, and then it, it's going to make sense or it's not going to make sense. My coaching isn't for everyone, but um, but pretty quick we can see if it's right for you. Right. I got so many questions running through my head, but I'm going to ask two more before we kind of wrap this up. Sure. So um, the, the first question is, you know, when I guess coaches and consultants first came out, people were like, first of all, what? Yeah. And then they get kind of a bad rap, you're right? And mm -hmm. there's so, like you mentioned earlier, there are so many out there. Yeah. Can you maybe do a little debunked on the – the reputation for a coach or a consultant. And then second of all, uh, how does somebody, what's the best way to choose the right person to work with? Yeah. It, it, great questions. Um, certainly. Yeah. There's uh, anybody can call them a coach. It's not a highly regulated industry. Um, 
but to be a certified you know, business coach, you have to go through a certification process. So that's important to be certified first um, and looking at the background. Um, you know, a lot of coaching turns out to be uh, referrals. You know, Focal Point is a franchise, you know, created by Brian Tracy, which which is a great business mind. And there's you know, very selective on who can become a Focal Point coach. You have to have a certain uh, number of years of experience in the industry. You have to have the right – you have to pass the assessments to see if you're actually a, a, a person that's – a good coach personality that really has the desire to help others on that piece of it. But you have to have a conversation and you have to talk to um, the other people that they've worked with to see the kind of results. So reputation and is important. Referrals are important, uh, but you have to have that conversation and then see, is this person really going to get me to this end result? Right. Um, so you have to come and understand what is it? If you know what your goals are, um, ask the coach, how do you plan on getting me to reach these goals? Um, are you just going to fill me with um, warm, fuzzy feelings, you know, every Friday, you know, of, of uh, like, here's this, there's this famous quote from blah, blah, blah. No, uh, that's helpful. Mindset's good. Is there actually going to be some tools? Is there going to be some things that are going to make a, a dent in my business? So it's going to take a lot of, um, you know, it's, you have to have a conversation, right? So if you have a coach or you're looking to get a coach, um, hop on a discovery call, you know, they're 15 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever you want to do. And um, and have that conversation to see it for sure. Um, so another thing, and this goes with any industry, not just the consulting and coaching, but you know, uh, somebody's like they're worried about the the financing part of it. Mm-hmm. Especially with me when I'm doing these fundraisers and I'm trying to get sponsors. Yeah, it's when you're sitting, you have to sit. You talked about having the conversation. I want to sit down with somebody and show them the value. Right. Because they're like, well, I'm just going to mean, and it's the same thing with coaching and consulting. I'm guessing that mm-hmm. you have to go in and show the value of what you're going to bring them, mm-hmm. right. Well, doubling their sales or whatever the case may be. So everybody has to have an open mind when they're sitting down talking to everybody, honestly. Really? Uh, last question before we kind of go back to all of you, because again, I get wrapped up in some of the stuff, <laughs> but um, if some, cause you mentioned you had other businesses as well. If somebody is looking again to start their own business, share some advice from what would you advise them? Um, you know, go for it. I would say absolutely go for it. You know, to do that, it's it's it is hard. It's not an easy thing, right? So there, um, it's not a it's you know, there's pros and cons to both, right? And you're going to work hard to be successful in whatever area that you do. Um, you know, if you have a small business, there's no parachute. Right. There's no safety net. You can't go to your boss and ask for a raise. You can't go um, and ask for an advance on your commission. Right. It's it's going to be you that produces your results. You do have an ejection handle <laughs> where you got to bail out. Right. That's that's the out for that part of it. So, um, you know, a lot of a lot of veterans make great small business owners um, um, in most situations. Um you know, not always the education in business or not always having that background, you know, of how to run a business, which is why coaches are important or all the veteran organizations. Um, BunkerLabs.org is a great uh, veterans resource for, for uh, veterans that want to have a small business. Uh, a lot of free resources on how to start a small business on that part of it. So you definitely have to have a mentor um, to help you out and do that part of it. But the benefits of a small business is that, uh, you know, you have you're the master of your destiny and a lot of you know veterans make great uh, small business owners because they understand passion. Um, they've, you know, been in the thick, they understand what it takes to have commitment. You know, they have the perseverance, they have the drive and, you know, they can stick with it, you know, especially at that first curve where it starts to go downhill a little bit and, and reality sets in. Well, 
that's where you you know bunker in and 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 make it work, which is kind of where Bunker Labs comes into play at too. Um, so I I would highly recommend looking at it. So you definitely want to understand uh, what market you want to go into and do a lot of research. Right, got you start on Google, Google your product, your company, your service, whatever you're going to do in my area. Find your competitive and and do some um, good research up front to see if am I coming in an area where I don't have a lot of competition that I could do well at or other businesses like mine doing well? Um, who can I talk to that I could run this by, right? Google in business coach, right? And find those that do consultations like I do and say, hey, I'm thinking about starting a business. What do you think? I'm happy to spend 15, 30 minutes with you to tell you what I think from my experience and to give you some resources to go off and do some research on that part of it um, and do that. But you definitely need to put the work into it in advance and think through it in advance um, in case you need funding in advance to sustain you and your family for a few months or years <laughs> as it's lean um, to be prepared for it. So definitely want to go into a situation like that as prepared as you can be and not just say, wow, this nine to five stuff is not for me. I'm going to quit my job and start a business. That's that's not the way to do it. Definitely have all your ducks in a row because I'm raising my hand because I'm guilty of jumping right in the waters. <laughs> Great idea and stuff. But anyway, yeah. I got to let God handle that too. So yep. uh, I got three more questions for each of you. And again, I love this show because I get wrapped up in the stories and all the advice and all that. So we're going a little longer than normal, but that's okay. As long as you guys are good. So three questions for each of you and then we'll wrap this up. So I'm going to go back to Kimberly first. Okay. First question is, and I normally ask these while you guys are in the middle of talking individually, but again, I got too wrapped up in the animals. So thank you. No. <laughs> My pleasure. Uh, um, we, we talked about why you're passionate in doing the animals and stuff like that and all that, but why is it important for you personally to be part of the community? Um, because I like to give back and I want to make sure that anybody that has a disability can live their life to their fullest. Because uh, unless you actually know somebody that has a disability and how hard it can be, um, for example, you can be driving your car and the, somebody in the car in front of you is slow to turn around the corner or looks like they're hesitating or you're getting frustrated or whatever. Maybe that person has a disability and maybe they're not quite too sure or maybe they're having a problem. But, you know, just don't take things out. And there's always two sides to a story. So you've got to learn to get a little bit of patience. And it seems that there's no patience left anymore in, in, in our area. And there's no thinking about somebody else and there's no thinking you're all sort of seem to be wrapped up in ourselves. We, we need to think about some other people and how, how we can help and how we can be there for them. Amen. Keep preaching. Keep going. <laughs> Buffy, same question. Why is it important for you to be part of the community? <laughs> it's, it's the desire to make a difference in someone else's life. It, it truly is. Seeing someone else um, overcome something or making their day a little better right. is very heartfelt. You know, the little things too, like oh, we, we talked one time, I had a gentleman on that was one of my early shows that just smiling at somebody, mm-hmm. just opening the door, yep. right? And these days, thank yous, Yeah. right? Yeah. Exactly. Todd, what about you? Why is it important about the community? Yeah, you know, um, we're all connected, all of us. It doesn't matter who you are, what you think, where you're at. We're all, we're all connected. Um, for me, it's I want to make sure who I'm connected to that I can help, that I can help you know, be successful and that their families can be taken care of, you know, to alleviate the stress and burdens of, of owning a business. But, uh, I really, I firmly believe that, uh, in the next 20 years, the heart of this country and the survival of this country is going to be in the small business area. Yep. Right. And I want to do my part to make sure that America stays strong. Awesome. All right. The other thing we talk about on here all the time is the power of networking. 
And uh, Kimberly, you have the dogs that you can bring in, and I'm sure it's just uh, awesome that the networking speak to that. But do you have a uh, a story in particular you can share of how the positive of networking has benefited and helped you guys? Um, everything, uh, as far as uh, charity is concerned, uh, for us anyway, has all been about word of mouth. Has all been about going out there into the public. Is you know the dogs? Yes. Um, you walk in some. I, I was doing something with a, a foundation uh, about uh, a month ago, and I was one of the last people to arrive. And of course, what did I have? I had Rufus with me. Mm-hmm. So I walked in the door, and everybody stopped. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everybody looked at the dog because the dog was the only person in the room at that time. Um, and you know, sometimes you just have to make a, a a statement, and you have to do something that makes you stand out a little bit more from other people because that's what's going to draw attention to what you need, and then. From that point on, um, you can make the inroads. You can do the discussions. So it's it's a case of just being able to put yourself out there. I mean, we've had the door slammed in our faces more times than I care to remember. And you know, right now we're we're trying to find a grant writer to be able to continue writing grants for us because without those grants, mm-hmm. we don't get the support. We don't get the funds coming in to operate us because um, with us, we're all volunteers. We don't get paid for anything that we do. So any funds that we bring in to Pause for Life USA is 100% towards the animals and the people that we're working with. I'll introduce you to somebody who does that for a living. Yeah. <laughs> so so um, we, that's one of the things that we're desperate for. And it's, it's getting that word out. It's being, you know, having that reliable content and it's having us out there on the scene. Uh, push, 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 push. It never stops 24-7. All right. Well, like I said, I'll introduce you. Melanie Lambert just just for uh, just for grants that's the name of her business okay. i will in, uh, email you know, enter. Her. she's a great lady so as a matter of fact that todd i meant to mention this in april melanie and another friend of mine glenda hicks who is a trainer for uh nonprofits on boards and things that there she's also a cpa strictly for nonprofits. Mm. we're going to be hosting a uh kind of a half day seminar for nonprofits, and i'd love to have you be involved in that with the crm type stuff so love to help um, all right, Buffy, what about you for the networking? I know you didn't get a chance to do much in your probably your corporate mm-hmm. career, but you kind of may be out now doing it. Do you have a, a story you can share? Yeah, so probably one of our greatest networking stories is when the Afghan um, government fell. And we, through Outer Circle Foundation and use of our network, began evacuating our U.S. allies out of Afghanistan. Over the course of two and a half years, we've probably helped support the evacuation of thousands of people out of Afghanistan and probably our greatest story or the one that is most known is um, being able to evacuate the command sergeant major of the Afghan elite special forces out of Afghanistan. It took us two and a half years to get him into the United States. Um, he arrived here in April of this year. And in September of this year, we were successful in bringing his wife and three children into the U.S. That's awesome. He's a great man, too. He is a great man. Yes. He yes. Um, That's awesome. the true power of a network. It is. Definitely. Todd, what about you? How am I supposed to follow that? Come on. <laughs> um, well, my networks bring businesses together. So I, I love networking. It's such an important thing, and, and uh, it's something that comes pretty natural to me. So I reach out on, on LinkedIn a lot to a lot of people. I think that's how I met Matt. It even, is. That connected me to Buffy, that connected me to Outer Circle and, mm-hmm. and uh, Sweet for Christ uh-huh. and some other great organizations. Um, so if you get an invite to me to say, hey, let's connect, it's because I like to connect you with other people that might be able to help you once I know who you are, what you need, and what you do. Um, so I love it. I, I think our, again, we're all connected, right? And right. I think it's very important for us to continue to work those networks so that in some case you might be using your network to evacuate people out right. of Afghanistan um, or to find somebody that has a good platform that might help your business or charity out. And actually that's how you and we met because right. Matt 
was at a networking event, met my buddy Bob Brooks, and Bob Brooks mentioned me, and I believe you reached out to me on Facebook. That's so right. that's awesome. So, uh, Todd, one more time, share how people can get a hold of you because they want to talk to you for your services. Well, then call me at 678-822-1691. Uh, call or text, see if you can get me there. Otherwise, it's toddmastersfocalpointcoaching.com. Awesome. And then the last thing as we wrap this up, I always like to end this with you guys sharing a positive quote, word, nugget for the rest of 2023, which is only, what, 30 some days away and the rest of their life with, I guess. So Kimberly, give us your words of wisdom, uh, practice patience and persistence. Mm. Buffy, just be kind. Todd, start every day with a positive thought because your brain can only have positive thoughts or negative thoughts. So start off with positive. Awesome. And as I mentioned too, the thank you is a lost art these days. So Kimberly, thank you for what you guys are doing for the community and with the animals and please bring Rufus to the expo. <laughs> I will definitely bring Rufus and to a the horse. Expo. Yes. Yeah. If you can bring a horse, that'd be great too. Yeah, I can bring a miniature horse. Buffy, thanks for what you and Matt are doing for the, uh, especially the first responders in the veteran community and Todd, thanks for what you're doing for the business community. And again, thank you for your service. Thank you, Brian. Everybody out there listening, let's remember, let's be positive. Let's be charitable. 